Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a burst episode. Over the last few years, we've seen the phrase well-being move from being quite a fringe alternate concept to something that most businesses adopt in some form. However, although they've taken it on board, it's always been the preserve of the HR team or a similar team to make it work. And it's, it's been kind of a small overlay and part of the employee offering. But with the onset of the pandemic and the lockdown and the short-term isolation it created, well-being suddenly became one of the biggest, most important business factors to focus on. So Jane's here with me today. And Jane, I'm going to get you to just talk a bit more about that because we think it's a good thing in a very tough environment that well-being suddenly moved to where it is. Can you bring to life what we're seeing in this area? Definitely, we've seen a lot more organizations talking about well-being as a central part of focus. And in many surveys, engagement, pulse surveys, and so on, there's been a real trend coming up that says well-being is front and center of what people, teams, managers, leaders are concerned about. And that instead of it being something that's that, that is, you know, that the last thing to get talked about, it is something that that everybody has on their mind, whether that's mental health and needing to be sure that they're spotting whether people are at risk of mental health issues, whether it's managing emotions, whether it's physical health and, and realizing that that blood pressure monitor that was sat on the first floor is actually a lot more than a machine that people occasionally visit, but it actually could mean the difference between peak performance and health and otherwise. And practically, what are businesses doing then? I know you've got examples of where suddenly it's not a nice to have it, it's a mandatory. The biggest thing that that we've noticed is that the ownership level is changing. So in the past, well-being was something that was talked about by the organisation and, as you said at the beginning, by the HR department. But what we've seen during the pandemic across the world is people starting to own their own well-being in a, in a much more amplified way. So at a practical level, people I've been coaching have been saying, gosh, I feel physically better than I've felt for a long time because without the commute, I have been running more or I've done some yoga. Myself, as, as anyone that's listened before may know that I do yoga with somebody in India, which is all as a result of looking for new ways of managing my own well-being during the pandemic. So there's definitely been a shift to individuals taking more ownership. And that is something that we've advocated for, for a long time because it can't just be the organization giving the opportunity for people to, to manage their well-being, the individuals have got to want to manage it and then engage with those things that the organisation offers. The ownership, though, isn't just a individual level, is it? There's, there's different layers of ownership in well-being, which makes it more complex, but also makes it work, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, there's three levels we always talk about. And when we talk about our work in the whole area of well-being and performance and productivity, we talk about owning this as, as an individual. So I own my well-being. I cannot outsource that to somebody else. I cannot moan if I'm not feeling the best I am. I can and I, if I'm not performing well, because it's just my organization's fault. So it's very much about an individual ownership plus a team owning. So second level is team ownership, team looking out for each other, knowing what to spot in one another, supporting each other and leaders within that, making sure that they're providing the right environment, the right motivation, the right tools for well-being. And then the third level is the organizational level, which is making sure that as an organization, the right structures, the right tools, the right attitude is in place towards all aspects of well-being. And, and we need the ownership across all three. And the great thing, I think, is that in the past, as we say, it's been more an organizational level. And, and now we've got the individual. And what we need to do is get that team level in the, in the middle working and make sure that as people continue to transition to a new way of working, that they don't lose those non-negotiables of what makes them great as individuals, so they find a way of keeping those great things for their well-being, helping each other in their teams, and organizations continuing to put the right environment in place to help people thrive. One of the things that's always confused me, and I guess annoyed me as well, is that well-being is such a variable quantity in organizations. So you'll go into some, and for them, their manifestation of well-being is bowls of fruit, free teas and coffees, comfy chairs. And then you go into other organizations and it's all that plus, or it's just a number stuck on a wall somewhere that's been laminated that says, are you stressed? Call this number and they will help you. And I guess that's a problem that we, we, we talk about what well-being is, but we don't get down to the fine detail. So can you give us a structure for this? Great point. And like you say, there are so many examples of places we've gone into and worked with where there's the 10 step challenge and stickers on the floor. There's a sleep room. And in some organizations, people use it. And in some people don't. In others, there's great emotional health uh, focus. In others, there's amazing growth opportunities so people can see that they're growing and that affects their well-being. So the big thing is making sure that people can see how it all connects because historically it's just been so disparate, you know, these little initiatives that are owned by different parts of the organization. Nothing wrong with them, but it's not a well-being strategy. And so over the last 18 months and increasingly in the last six, we've used our Bank of Me structure with a few organizations to, to help them really knit together what they have and then build upon that so that they're helping people to see that this whole area of well-being for performance for productivity is around the five areas that we talk about on Bank of Me and that, that everything therefore slots into those things and they can see this holistic approach both in terms of attitude and tools rather than all of these disparate great initiatives. And don't leave people hanging what are the five areas? Ah, but if people haven't listened before, <laughs> so the five areas in the bank of me, and, and by the way, the notion is that we're all a human bank account and that we do things every day that deposit in our accounts and withdraw from our accounts. And we need to be really intentional to make sure that we're doing what we need to do to be in the black, not in the red as humans. But but the, the areas that we cover within the, the human bank balance are physiological and making sure our physiological well-being is right. So what we eat, how much we sleep, our movement, our recovery. The second is emotions and making sure our emotional bank balance is good and that we help others have an emotional bank balance that's healthy too, that we have a, a good dose of positive emotion in our life. 
The third is focus and making sure we focus on what really matters to us, the people around us and the organizations we work with. The fourth is motivation and making sure we do enough of what we love that really gets us out of bed in the morning and wants us really to get through the day well. And then the fifth is personal growth and the fact that as humans, we need to be clear and and sure that we are growing each day because that's what really does fuel us. And so having that real clear personal growth, that challenge of ourselves and others to grow is critical. And we need all five because without the five, we've got a deficiency. So five across the human system and therefore a great framework for a well-being strategy or a well-being structure. One of the other things that I've seen quite a lot of is the notion that well-being is something that's there but shouldn't be used. And a great example, one of my colleagues went and visited a factory in Korea, and it's a large electronics company, which we, we can't name for legal reasons. But they said that their campus was amazing, this beautiful open spaces with ping-pong tables and all sorts of things but no one was using it. And when they mentioned it to their guide, they said, oh, well, we're too busy. No one really thinks they should. It feels like one of the things that we've suddenly had thrust upon us is permission. Permission to make well-being a most important thing that we do all adopt. What's your take on that? There's a, a huge opportunity, I feel, for us all to own our well-being. And as I say, for teams and organizations to do that. And what that means is not just giving each other permission, but encouraging one another to use what's there to find new ways of doing what's right for us so that we can perform at our best. And so I agree, absolutely, we've seen more permission being given, but also people feeling that permission. And again, I go back to ownership, taking personal ownership for how I structure my day so that I can be at my best and and feeling more comfortable with having that conversation with my colleagues and maybe doing a bit of negotiation about working hours and what time people have meetings and so on, but also challenging one another. There's a great, great many examples of teams we've worked with where they've we've adopted physical challenges of the week and they've all gone out at the same time each day. They're in the same time zone and they've gone for 45 minutes and done something physical doesn't always have to be the same thing for everybody, but something that that really gives them some growth and some challenge. And then they come back and talk about it. So there's lots more opportunity ahead, I believe. But but I really do think that we've turned a tide and now is the time to, to really see ownership for well-being, individual team organization. I don't know if you remember this, but we were on a call recently with a very senior leader and that senior leader's manager and our senior leader very blatantly said, I've been taking an hour every day during work hours to spend time with my family at lunch and to play football and to have some fun. And no one batted an eyelid. And I thought that's a really good thing to see that there is that positive conviction that I can tell my boss this. And that old Gordon Gecko statement, lunches for wimps, is just gone. It's brilliant. It's really good. Okay. Now, one of the things people always tell us is that they love practical things. So let's give them the listeners three things that they can do to to start well-being moving forwards. So you can do the first one, I'll do the second, and then you can do the third, which gives you two. So I'm I'm winning here. Thank you for the two. (laughs) Okay. I'll start with find something that you believe if you did more of, less of, would help you and your well-being, whether it's physically, emotionally, whether it's more about your motivation. Think of one thing and don't make it big. So for me, it might be I'm going to do yoga once a week, which is exactly what I started doing a few months ago in a different way. And 
focus on that. Nothing more, nothing less. Just make that your focus and chunk it down so that you can make it happen. What day are you going to do it? What time are you going to do it? And who is going to support you to make sure it happens? Good one. I'm going to have to try and top that, which I don't think I can. My advice is if you're a manager within a team, then encourage very obvious sharing about what you're doing personally with well-being. So share with your team your own practice around well-being and encourage others to talk about the same. So it doesn't feel like it's a, a guilty secret or something that should be done in in the kind of dark, that we're open and talking regularly. And as a leader, make sure you're the first one to say it and the first one to praise it. Okay, so number three then in that case, I'm going to go for learning and growth because not only with well-being, but another big theme that we're passionate about and, and believe will be huge in the future is people owning their own growth and their own learning journey. And so let's start this off in the well-being sphere by making sure that every day you and if you're in a team, your team, talk about something you've learned, something you learned today. It might be a little bit of personal reflection at the end of the day that says, today I learned dot, dot, dot. And just be really intentional about the teeny things as well as the big things that you're learning because they are part of your well-being and they leave you more positively, emotively fueled than you would be if you're not intentionally asking yourselves those questions. And it's great. That word intentional, it's an absolute cornerstone for us, isn't it? And it's that thing and the, the very simple phrase, do things on purpose because then they become your purpose. Okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm going to go for a cycle ride and I'm blatantly telling you that. What are you going to do? I'm going to do a downward dog. Okay. <laughs> I dread to think about this. I'll leave you to that. Thank you very much, Jane. Let's talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.